Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Drone Life News. Joining me as always is Editor-in-Chief of DroneLife.com, Miss Miriam McNabb. Miriam, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing good as always. Things are really, uh, really building here at DroneU. Very happy to do a lot more in-person trainings. It's the fuel that feeds the fire. So very grateful for that. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Definitely. Well, for our first story, Miriam... It seems like one legislative body is calling for not necessarily drones, but all recreational aircraft to be, quote unquote, electronically conspicuous. Does this mean that they're calling for all recreational aircraft to have some sort of ADSB transponder? I mean, what's the point of this and uh, what's the story here? Yeah, this is really interesting. It's research, actually. So it's not a legislative body. It's a a research group in the UK. And they're making recommendations uh, to the UK government on how to unlock the potential for uh, the commercial drone industry, you know, estimated at, you know, 40 billion pounds or something like that. So um, obviously, every country uh, realizing the economic benefit of the commercial drone industry And what these researchers found is that there were a couple of things they felt were really critical to unlocking the potential. One was to assign a minister of drones to kind of put somebody clearly in charge of uh, drone-related legislation. And the second was uh, very interesting, was to for the government to pay for all recreational aircraft, and I assume they mean manned aircraft, to be electronically conspicuous. So this is kind of bridging the gap that causes a problem for many UTM systems or UTM frameworks where, you know, drones really have to be the ones responsible for identifying anything that's in the sky. They've got to be able to find any of these recreational aircraft, whether it's a it's a um, a, a lightweight glider or a, a small plane or or whatever. Even though those aircraft are not necessarily required to carry ADSB or to be electronically conspicuous. And uh, what this research found is that it would be well worth the government's investment to just pay for making all of those aircraft electronically conspicuous so they could be seen in an air traffic control system. And that that uh, is really critical to making the skies accessible to the commercial drone industry. So not something that I had read before in official research papers, um, thought that was really interesting to bring up. It is certainly something that is discussed in the UTM community but not necessarily something that everyone's aware of. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, I know it would be useful for certain drone pilots when we can see aircraft coming close to us, you know, on our uh, tablets and whatnot. So I definitely see how that could be useful for sure. So, well, bringing us to our next piece of news, it looks like uh, some more conferences are getting underway And this week, it seems like energy is the vertical of focus when it comes to the drone world. So uh, what's going on this week, Miriam? 
So this week in Houston, the Energy Drones and Robotics show is back live. Great show, very focused, of course, on the energy sector, uh, a big growth sector for the drone industry. So a couple of drone life writers are there on the scene sending me notes, which is great. Uh, looks to me like kind of autonomy is the theme. And since we've we've sort of talked about autonomy uh, before, we'll bring it up here, you know, with Percepto, uh, that they do autonomous drone in the box solutions. They're working a lot overseas and uh, here in the U.S. with agencies like Florida. Florida Power and Light, who have the appropriate waivers and so forth to enable fully autonomous drone inspections, um, especially they're using them for sort of uh, disaster preparation and disaster response. Of course, in Florida um, during hurricane season, that's important. And then Skydio also presented uh, their keynote saying, you know, autonomous uh, inspection is really kind of the next step uh, for the energy industry. So what do you think? What do you think uh, on sort of what's allowed currently versus what's what drones are capable of doing? Well, you know, you bring up a really important point and, uh, you know, kind of bridging the gap between last week's news show and this week's. Uh, I got the article out regarding the FCC kind of coming down on DJI, and I like how they noted that, you know, there weren't really domestic manufacturers that could compete with DJI. And I even slipped in the little quote from Brendan Schulman's interview with Drone DJ, where he outright says there are other drone companies, now I'm paraphrasing, there are other drone companies that are advertising uh, and marketing full autonomy, and that's currently illegal. And, you know, reading your article on Skydio and what's going on in Houston, you know, Mr. Dunn from Skydio says that uh, uh, one customer contracted with Skydio for inspection noted a 75% reduction in cost per bridge and a 92% reduction in training costs stating that manual drones simply don't scale. But, you know, continuing on with that analogy, that's essentially saying that drivers do not need to get educated in how to drive because they can rely on full self-driving, which we know is not true. We also know that that is illegal as well. And so with Skydio kind of coming out and saying, we can autonomize everything and we can do everything, it's nice that someone who has a lot of uh, clout in the industry like Brendan Schulman is finally coming out and saying like, look, when are we gonna talk about the fact that full autonomy is not legal? You know, you might be saving money and not training people, but what's the liability on the back end when you can't stop the drone from running into a child's head, which has happened. So, you know, it, it, I, I, you know, Miriam, you know, I have a kind of uh, a very uh, uh, powerful opinion on this, not powerful, but just a very kind of structured, solid opinion. And uh, until there is legislation and regulations regarding full autonomy, we still have to have a pilot on the sticks able to avoid an emergency at any time, which does mean full control of the aircraft. So, you know, a lot of these claims, you, you really just got to be like, okay, 
you're not Elon. Elon does a better job at presenting this, and FSD is still a problem, and autonomous drones still are not legal. So uh, it would be nice for the FAA to come out and say something, but I think that they're not going to do that because it's political suicide right now. As uh, you know, politics are definitely uh, you know they're they're politics are increasing, and so is the pressure on DJI, as we saw from the FCC last week. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where at the end of the day, pilots need to make the decision on their own because ultimately pilots are responsible and you need to know what drones follow FAA guidelines because if you do get in a crash, your insurance company is going to investigate and question you as a pilot to find out if you were following FAA guidelines. So I just don't want to see any drone pilots uh, getting caught holding the bag, Miriam. I'm going to play devil's advocate because that's what we do here. <laughs> so, so I think, I mean, I think that the, the customer that Scotty was referencing was overseas um, for one thing. So, so in their, in their defense, but I also think, <laughs> I also think that autonomy is kind of a really interesting technology and that there's definitely this halfway point that can happen right now. And so um, I have gotten in a lot of trouble for uh, writing about my current fascination with um, passenger drones. And I call them passenger drones and then everybody yells at me because um, they want to use something that that nobody outside of the industry would ever recognize. Um, But essentially, a lot of these designs that we're seeing now come out as crude vehicles with the autonomy built in until such time as full autonomy, like you're over there a thousand miles away and I'm sitting back in the office is a reality. And I think that until that happens, you know, in the meantime, there's definitely a halfway point where you can actually be safer to use some of these autonomy functions, because as you know, you are a skilled and experienced pilot. Not everybody is. If you're trying to get close to under a bridge, you could easily make a mistake if you're trying to steer yourself, right? So I'm hopeful that what there really is, is this kind of halfway point where people are there flying the drones. They are, you know, staying within the confines of current regulations when they don't have waivers to do more than that, but that the ease of use has improved to a point where you're getting better data and it is safer flight. So I'm going to still say, okay, like crude systems until such time as the uncrewed is available. And, you know, who knows when that will be here in the U S what I am seeing, um, I guess I would call them edge use cases, um, and then it is overseas, is things where you have a really remote area, where you've got one of those mining sites that's been closed for five years, but you still have to keep maintaining surveillance for 10 years. There's nobody there. There's there's nothing um, for you to hit. If that drone crashes down, it's going to crash down in the desert, whatever. And so they are utilizing these fully autonomous you know, you know, miles away in the office on this drone system for surveillance. I think that's a great use case. It should be legal. It's it's 
you know, safer, more effective, more efficient, and we'll get there for a much broader variety of use cases at some point. So I'm going to take the middle road here. I'm a flaming moderate. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like it. And and I agree with you that there is a, there is a balance in using essentially like a pilot assist, right, in helping pilots with autonomy. But I, I also agree with you that full autonomy is currently not legal, but how long will it take until we get to that uh, point of regulation, right? Couldn't agree with you more. Uh, the issue, though, is, you know, how is Skydio not leaving – drone pilots hanging when they're actively marketing and advertising full autonomy. And even the pilot assist and the autonomous functions on those aircraft, the pilot still is not ultimately in control. They, you know, Sure, you can press a pause button, but that does not give you the controls to manipulate the control surfaces to avoid an emergency. So, you know, for me, I just, you know, I'm sure Skydio hates me at this point, and I, and I, I honestly, uh, I, you know, I, I, I don't like that. Uh, I would like to work with them, frankly, uh, over various issues because I think this is easily solvable. But that said, you know, I, I just think that so many drone pilots are going to be left holding the bag and that this issue should be addressed. But how many times, Miriam, in the United States has the government actually you know, caught up to technology. Typically, it's technology pushing the government to think about new ways of, of regulating things, new ways of ensuring a safe environment, you know. And uh, so I understand that Skydio is trying to push, 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 push the envelope. But at the same time, we can't set up our audience, our users, our pilots, our clients to fail. We've got to be honest with them. And so that's that's kind of my point here. And uh, I do see a future of full autonomy. I definitely think uh, that that future is not far away. That said, uh, I would like to see, you know, more ability. Like, I would love to see a future of full autonomy, but pilots are still able to fully take over control. They are able to avoid an emergency. They are able to have full, uh, full control. And so I agree with you that it's definitely, we're in a middle point, you know. I just think that uh, marketing and hype, should be honest and truthful as so many of us get caught up in claims. That's all. Okay. Well, I'm not, I, I haven't flown the, uh, the, the drones, so I'm not equipped to comment on whether or not you can go uh, in and take over at, at some point. But um, again, I, I'll say from a technology standpoint, I'm going to play devil's advocate. I think uh, pushing the envelope of what can be done is always good because the more people who want to do it, the, <laughs> the faster, the faster we'll get there. So we'll see. We'll see. When we get more drones in the air, we will gather more data on this question. <laughs> no, and, and, and I agree with you that we've got to push the envelope. I just also think that we should, uh, companies should be honest. That's all. But you know, that does kind of really uh, steamroll us right into the next piece of drone news. Last week, we saw the FCC coming down on DJI and asking for more restrictive measures about what funds can be used uh, to purchase those drones. Meanwhile, on the opposite end of the spectrum, Skydio is heralding their new cybersecurity expert. Miriam, what do you have? 
So um, I actually thought this was interesting because I do think that Skydio has read the room and said, hey, you know, um, our customers are concerned about cybersecurity and we're going to meet that concern head on by hiring a a very experienced, actually great veteran of the industry with a lot of skills um, that they are going to hire a head of security to meet cybersecurity fears head on. And you and I talked about this in pre-show and and I tend to be a little bit Pollyanna, you know, like really who's trying to hack the drone. But um, <laughs> I, I think everybody's like a nice person <laughs> until proven otherwise. But, uh, you know, there is definitely concern and, and, you know, people need to think about what their use case is, you know, I mean, for somebody who's taking a picture of a sporting event or, or, uh, you know, just a construction site or something inside or something like that, they need to think about, is this really data that it's very important to me to secure? Certainly in the energy industry, like we just talked about, that is a primary concern. You know, if you're talking about a nuclear site, um, those customers really need to follow very specific protocols uh, of data security. And so I think that um, that's a real a, a real concern that customers are going to have. Certainly, um, heavy industry and energy customers are going to have uh, concerns about data and about cybersecurity. So I thought it was really interesting um, that Skydio is just kind of meeting that head on and saying, let's call it like it is. We're hiring somebody to be head of cybersecurity and make sure that we are addressing potential and evolving vulnerabilities uh, in our platforms. So yeah, uh, honestly, I think it's I think it's great that they address that, and it's uh, nice to see Skydio taking that head on, and uh, it should uh, showcase some. Hopefully, when if drones ever get to a point of doing BVLOS and these advanced operations, it's going to be absolutely critical to have cybersecurity as a whole. Yeah, I think so, and I think um, again, it's it sort of depends on the use case, but I do think that as you know, I've been in the business since 2013. You've been in the business um, since about then too, probably before that, right? Uh, and you know, we have seen use cases evolve. We have seen things change from people just wanting to take pictures and document things to really to creating um, 3D models to really bringing drone technology into their operational processes. And as that happens, and as those customers get bigger, and as the value gets bigger, certainly issues about data security, insurance, all of, all of those sort of surrounding ecosystem elements become much more important. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more, Miriam. I think it's going to be a very uh, bright future for uh, for the industry, especially going about it the right way and and crossing our T's and dotting our I's, that is for sure. Well, Miriam, thank you uh, again for for joining me. I know by the time that this show gets published, everyone will be talking about DJI's release of the new Action 
to camera. And then we'll probably have another new show before the Mavic 3 is released in the first week of November. The real question is, is when is this stuff going to actually be available as it's still impossible to get other drones from manufacturers uh, abroad and domestically? Sounds good. I can't wait to hear. We're still friends, right? Even though I'm playing devil's advocate. Oh yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. No, I know my, I know my mood. Why I like doing shows with Paul. <laughs> no, I, well, you know, like we have talked about uh, off camera and in pre-show, just how important it is to look at both sides of an issue and how important it is to be able to have conflicting conversation and look at, you know, various perspectives that differ from your perspective. I think it's absolutely crucial. And uh, I have, I apologize for my mood kind of going down. It's just, you know, I, I, I think of NTSB and what they just did with Tesla, right? They are now having a specialist in obstacle avoidance investigating Tesla's FSD. And yeah, it makes you wonder, okay, well, if the government is starting to get really serious about autonomous driving, when do we get serious about really investigating autonomous aircraft? Because it's not just important for Skydio, right? Skydio is a little blip on the map. It's important for people like Boeing, Hyundai, Airbus, right? And we're talking back to urban air mobility, like you talked about when you write about uh, the drone carriers or, or urban, I forget the name you use. Passenger drones. Passenger <laughs> drones. Yes, thank you. It's crucial. And, it, and it's about time that if we want the industry to continue to expand, that we need objective information that really looks at both sides of an issue and comes to an objective conclusion. This way, consumers don't get left hanging and we build a safe and scalable future for all kinds of pilots. That's, that's, that's I think, why my mood kind of came down is I'm like, I just get frustrated because I think of the world as like a perfect world. We'll figure it all out. It'll be okay. But I'm like, figure it out. So. <laughs> <laughs> when do you think the first autonomous car went coast to coast in this country? <sighs> uh, Cross country, fully autonomous car. Probably 2014. 1984. Are you serious? Or 1980. Yes. Harvard prototype. George yeah. Orwell so getting creepier 40 and creepier. Years, 40 years, we have not gotten it together. Wow. 40 years, the technology has existed. So that brings up an important question, Miriam. And, uh, and uh, you know, however you answer this, I don't have any expectation, just so we're clear. But it really begs the question, at what point should our government representatives have some sort of either A, education that's beyond a political science degree, which we all know in college was the easiest one to get, uh, or two, a research and investigative protocol to force any regulator, a mayor, a city council person, a congressman, a senator, to have a research protocol to do before they implement bills or investigations? Because I don't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you need, there needs to be some rule about bringing in expertise in the same way that there's a rule about allowing public commentary. And, and, you know, it's a very catch 22 thing. Like we've had people complain bitterly about having, you know, large drone companies and large manufacturers on the deck. But my argument um, on that would be, Hey, do you want no doctors on the FDA? Like, 
come on, <laughs> you have to have people who actually understand how these things are produced and what the capabilities are and who are deep into the nitty gritty to help inform these regulations. And unfortunately, you know, the DAC really informs the FAA, but we need somebody to inform Congress as as well. So yeah, no, a Totally agreed on on all kinds of things on, um, uh, you know, we're working out very tricky, uh, tricky issues with the roles and responsibilities of social media platforms and, and technologies that people just didn't realize existed, you know, that are, are catching us not off guard. We've, we've been there, but they, they're new. <laughs> no, 100%. And, you know, you know, in regards to your DAC comment, having that multivariate or multinuclei expertise, right, where you, you don't just load the DAC up with just manufacturers, but you've got, you know, actual drone pilots, manufacturers, companies that are doing inspections at scale, you know, having all of those expertise is just is crucial and critical. So I couldn't agree with you more. And I mean, I know you've seen it in the drone industry, but how many times do we have to go to a, a, a legislator and educate them on what is possible with a drone, the history, what's been done, you know? And so I believe that having these protocols would really step up the intellectual integrity of our legislative body. That's just uh, that's just kind of how I feel. Well, and and do do a lot to sort of bridge some of the consistency gaps. Very At important see, point. Right, you can't if you if you regulate something over here, it may affect something over there, and you can't, uh, you know, you can't re- require opposing opposites. So, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So, by the way, I said the political science degree because I had a minor in poli sci, so I'm guilty myself. <laughs> <laughs> My son wants to go into politics. I'm uh-uh. <laughs> really no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Well, a lot of complex issues here, Miriam, and uh, I really appreciate being able to do this show with you because there is so many multivariate expertises to have to be able to adequately speak about these issues and then kind of tie all the dots together to realize what's really, you know, lying below the surface, where are we really headed? And so for that, Miriam, very grateful for you. And thank you again for another uh, very informative and uh, on my side, opinion-fueled news show. (laughs) (laughs) Always a pleasure. I hope we can together get to get together for drinks sometime. That would be fun. <laughs> I, I, you know, I still have your pog waiting in the shipping room, ready to go out. So I need to send that. But um, but yeah, <laughs> I agree. I agree. Okay. Thank you again, Miriam, and thank you everyone for listening in. Let us know your comments. Let us know what you think. Uh, the drone industry is definitely evolving, and there are a lot of uh, moving parts in the regulatory uh, body right now that will affect all of us. So it is important to stay on top of, but thanks again for joining us here at the Drone Life News Podcast. We'll see you next time.